Look at my butt. Show number 209 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Hello, listeners. We're cruising. <laughs> We're now at cruising altitude. <laughs> really? <laughs> but seriously, let's talk about the cruise. Yes. So Big news in Trek World. Yes. Um, you know, we are always on the lookout for things that we can do. There's a convention coming up next year that we're going to go to because Bill's going to be there, of mm-hmm. course. And then we find out that there's going to be an official, and apparently this is the first one, that's the official Star Trek. Yeah, cruise. there have these other ones that have gone on apparently were not that official. Which I had no idea because, you know, Will Wheaton has talked about doing Star Trek cruises, and I always thought they were official ones. I had no idea that they were just, you know, things that they put together and maybe didn't actually call Star Trek cruises. Well, I think they called them Trek cruises or cruising with Trek or something like that. Okay. Well, that's very different. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's totally different. So this is happening in uh, January of 2017. Right. So it's quite a long way away. And there's going to be some TNG people there, Marina Sirtis, Jonathan Frakes, Denise Crosby, other folks. But, of course, the, the big name that we all want to know, is Bill going to be there? And the answer is yes. Bill is hosting. This is incredible to me. You know, how does he have time to do this in his schedule? He's just like, well, I'm going to go on this cruise with 6,000 crazy people and be trapped on a boat with them. Well, does that sound like a good decision? <laughs> Well, he's he's up for doing just about anything now, but I have a million questions about this. <laughs> Me too, <laughs> and um, and and concerns. And I'm going to do some research because if it's going to be a good thing, I think you and I would have a blast. Oh yes, absolutely. If it's yes. going to be a crappy thing, we're trapped on this damn boat. <laughs> exactly. So I will say, first of all, I've been on a cruise like this one, and was I it a it was theme great. cruise? It was not a themed cruise. Oh, okay. It was it was from New York down to Orlando and then to uh, like this one goes to Nassau and it was <laughs> like Nassau. It was some little private island that's owned by the cruise company, so right. only cruise people get to go there. And I thought it was great. You know, I liked the boat. There was no bad weather. Nobody got norovirus. Good. <laughs> and uh, the thing I kind of like about the cruise is that you can do stuff or you cannot do stuff. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to spend the whole week in your room drinking martinis on your little balcony, you could do that, mm-hmm. and that was perfectly fine. It wasn't like you had to go right. and do stuff. So. It isn't quite like some other events where you feel like you have to be part of it. Like, it's not like the Shatner weekend where we kind of had to do everything all the time and that was a drag. You can pick and choose. So having said that, I'm I'm very open to the idea of a cruise because it's it's kind of fun to do those things. I've never been on a cruise and frankly never, ever really wanted to. It's just Mm -hmm. not on my list. But, you know, this is different. This Mm -hmm. and I'm. You know, it could turn out to be totally, totally exhausting because it's basically a six-day convention. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. With side trips. Yep. Um, uh, but my questions are things like, okay, and you brought up some of these when we were emailing. Um, you know, how much time do you actually spend with Bill? Does mm-hmm. he do like a welcome speech at the beginning and then one night do a Q&A? Yeah. And, and that's it? Um, do you pay extra for autographs, photos with him? Mm-hmm. Um, after he does his, if he is just doing one night, does he, at the next port of call, get off, hop on a plane, and we never see him again? 
Yeah, see, that that's the crucial thing, because if it's like that, then there's no point, no. because we would see just as much of him at any convention. Right. Um, and, and a couple people pointed out, I first heard about this on the Shatner board, you know, they were saying, well, you know, it's a lot of money to put mm-hmm. into it where, you know, to be honest, what if he dies before then? Well, yeah, that could or too. you know, just get sick or something bigger and better. Charity thing comes along, and he has to cancel. And that's mm-hmm. one of my big questions. And I plan on contacting the cruise company and various travel insurance places to see. Okay, and I'm pretty sure they're all going to say if the cruise is still going on, we're keeping your money. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so to give people an idea of how much it costs, the cheapest. Uh, rooms and stuff is like a thousand bucks, which is you know in in cruise terms pretty cheap, but it's still a thousand bucks. Right. Uh, if if you want to really go and do it um, like the rich people do, I think the most expensive cabin is seventy five hundred dollars, and that's like a suite where you get a bedroom and a living room and probably a piano or something in your in your room. And Bill will be so, in one of those. And uh, yes, Bill will absolutely be in one of those with locks on the door. <laughs> Uh, and will not tell people where he is, and a guard posted outside. And a Trekkie detector. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so you know, it's it's not uh, it's not so expensive that normal people couldn't go to it, but it's a commitment, and it's six days in January. Yeah, and you have to have that time to do it. Yeah, so you know, it sounds like it it could be absolutely wonderful, but you know, if you're really only interested in the one celebrity. Mm-hmm. This might not be the best way to spend $1,000. Although, I would really like to have drinks with Jonathan Frakes. Oh, I think he would be so much fun. Yeah. I, but, and, um, and John Delancey is going to be there, too, and I hear he's a very funny guy. Yes, yes, he is. So, that would be great. I, I wanted to mention a few of the jokes in the AV Club's write-up of this, because it was really good. Okay. Um, it says, uh, here's a list of the people. Um, William Shatner himself will be there. Also, in what we can only assume is a reference to that Futurama episode, <laughs> the, the ship will also feature recreations of some iconic Star Trek sets. Uh, the trip will leave from Miami on January 9th, 2017, and it'll make stops at Cozumel, Nassau, Norwegian Cruise Line's private island. Yeah, that's where I've been. And the planet Vulcan. No, just kidding. <laughs> Um, and then it says, the cruise will take place in the new Star Trek continuity, so Vulcan no longer exists. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if people out there know more about it than we are telling you right now, please let us know if anybody has an inside line on what's going to happen. The cruise site itself does not have a ton of information as of yet. They do have a separate site, and it's called StarTrekTheCruise.com. Mm-hmm. And all it says for Bill is that, He's going to be there, and there's a quote. I am excited to be the host of Star Trek The Cruise. When I was told that this was the first authorized Star Trek cruise and part of the 50th anniversary celebration, I just knew that my participation would be something our fans would enjoy. It should be a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, That's a very weirdly constructed quote. Yes. Now, did you say it starts January 9th? Uh, I think so. That was what it said on the AV Club. Hold on a second. Yes, that's what it says. Okay, I can't go. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, January 8th and 9th is is one of the big quarterly things, if I still have my same job, where oh. you have to be dead to get those days off. Oh. So what what if you get a, a better job, though? Maybe if I get a work. different job, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's cross our fingers that you get a better job. Okay. 
<laughs> or win the lottery and don't have to have a job at all. That's that would be good. Yes. Yeah. So that's. Okay. Um, but yeah, it could be a lot of fun. It could be, you know, total waste. I though, although I know, you know, you and I, we would have a good time together. We travel mm-hmm. so well together. We always have fun oh, yeah. adventures, and. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we would we would do things, and we would get in trouble, and we would annoy people, and go places where we're not supposed. Well, to Well, you definitely and... would be touching things you're not supposed to, and and probably asking obnoxious questions during Q and A periods. But if yeah, if it's not going to be spending a significant chunk of time with Bill, I'm not sure that it's going to be worth it. Right, right. You'd have to be more of a general Trekkie, yeah, than we are. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, so there's that. So, again, listeners, if you guys hear anything, let us know because I think we, we need more information. That would be good. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. What was the other thing that we were going to talk about? Oh, the, the listener stuff. You had listener okay, questions. Okay. 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 Yes. Let me let me get to that. Um, I thought, you know, we haven't done really a listener Q&A in quite yeah. some time. And so I thought it would be fun to put it out there. And we did get some questions. So I just need to get to that place on the pewter. Yes, please. Okay. Here we go. All right. Let's see. Okay, here's one from Cheryl. Mm-hmm. It says, I've never been to a con. If mm-hmm. I come to the Chicago one next year, will you show me the ropes? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, we're too big a celebrity <laughs> to actually have personal contact with people that we only know via the Internet. Of course we will. Oh my of goodness. course we not will. will. We will not only show you the ropes, which I believe is a, a nautical metaphor, <laughs> we, will, we will take you up into the crow's nest and show you the whole ship and how to run it and let you hold the, the, na- the wheel and everything. And, and we, will, we will invent new ropes. And, we will. and you will, of course, be at our room party. And of course, you know we're we're putting that out to everybody mm-hmm. that um, the Chicago convention, which will be in Rosemont again um, next year. Bill's going to be at it. I think it's in the spring. And yeah, if you come, we want to see you. We want to hang out with you. We want you at our room party. And um, Lena, for the very first time ever, is going to get in the Q and A line <laughs> and ask Bill if she can sit on his lap. I will. I will do that. I promise. So, uh, so definitely. And I'll be wearing my look at his butt t-shirt. So he won't be able to miss that. And knowing Bill, he'll probably ask about the shirt and say, now tell me about your shirt. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be too busy staring at your loveliness. Mm. Mm. Oh, Bill. Ah, well, hooray. So yes, please come Cheryl. We'd love to see you and everybody else come too. Yes. Good time. Yes. Okay. Here's another one from Cheryl. If someone said to you, Shatner is such a ham actor, what viewing list would you assign mm. them to convince them otherwise? Oh, wow. What a great question. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh. Margaret seconded that question. <laughs> so we definitely got to answer it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's see. Well, if we went in chronological order, maybe that it's, for me, that's the easiest way to think about mm-hmm. it. I would go back to... Um, Probably, even though he has a small part, uh, Judgment at Nuremberg, he's very good he's in that. He's very good in that. Um, leaping forward a little, I would definitely say the 10th level. He's so <gasps> good in that. Oh, yes. That is just a great, great performance. Um, let's see. All of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm trying to think of what else he did around the same, like, Star Trek era. So late 60s, early 70s. Most of the stuff he was in besides Star Trek was pretty bad then. Right. He was doing, like, a lot of guest shots on Gunsmoke and Dr. Kilton yeah. and all of those. Now, I have a slightly different take on it. Okay. The people who say he's such a ham actor either have never really seen him and they're just going mm. on what other people have said, or they got that impression from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And so I would not send them to Star Trek at all. And if I was going to, the only thing I would send them to is Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. But um, I agree with you on 10th level. I agree with you on Judgment at Nuremberg. Um, there are certain episodes, and I'd have to find out, which, you know, look them up and see which ones mm-hmm. they were, of Boston Legal that yes. I thought he was outstanding in. Yes. And that thing he did, I think it was just last year on that Canadian police show. Yes. I was just thinking of that. Where, he was so good. Where he in played that. the guy who was looking for his kidnapped granddaughter. He was yeah. outstanding in that. Yes, I agree with all of those things, and and I think we could probably pick some certain the the one the one Boston Legal episode, well, where he goes to jail was very good. Well, he went to jail a couple of times. Okay, (laughs) there was one where he was with Spader, and they were having a really good serious Mm -hmm. discussion. But also the one where he goes to his doctor, and and when where we find out that he has early onset Alzheimer's, yes, that was really good. Yes, so good. Oh, gosh, you know, there are probably other things that we've seen over the years, mm-hmm. um, but those really stand out as just over and above everything that he's done. I would also point people to the Nick of Time Twilight Zone episode. Oh, yeah, He's yeah. excellent in that. Now, um, I'm not saying he's hammy in the other one, but the other one is a much more over-the-top situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there is a monster on the wing, and, you know, I mean, it, it's classic and everything, but this one takes place... In what could be a complete reality, you know, is that Mm -hmm. thing predicting the future? Is it all in his mind? And he never steps over the edge there, you know, Mm -hmm. like freaking out at it or, or any of that stuff. Yeah. I will also put on that list, uh, the, the Roger Corman movie, the intruder. (gasps) Yes. Because he's great in that. And that's a very serious film Mm -hmm. with really good performances all around. I think everybody's very good in that. And he is, uh, you know, he, he's like the evil Kirk. He's, he's so handsome, and he's mm-hmm. so suave, and he's so evil all at the same time. Yes, that's good. I hadn't thought of that one, and that is really good. Yeah. Oh, mm. boy, I have to give this a little more thought. Yeah. I'm sure there are other things that we've seen over the years, but those really stand out. And I would love to hear what other people think. Do you know what else he's very good in? Mm. But we were distracted by his loveliness. <laughs> Explosive generation. Mm-hmm. That is true. He was good in that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was good in movies. Boy, I wonder if he could have been a movie star. Well, you know, I, he, he came in at a time when movies were going through this huge transition of yeah. not the, having the studio system. And I don't know how well he would have fared under the studio system because I think he would have found it sort of confining. Mm-hmm. But having that, I, I, that level of of them investing in you, you know, time, money, the whole thing. I think, yeah, Mm. I think he could have been a a, a huge star. And really, you know, he was going up for the same roles that Paul Newman Mm -hmm. and Steve McQueen were going up for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and those guys aren't slackers. Yeah. And he was, Mm -hmm. he was under serious consideration for those things. Yep. 
So mm. I'm sure mm. we will think of others, and we'll just blurt them out randomly. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he was great as the part of the White Sox gang. That was a good role. <laughs> First little movie. <laughs> yeah. What do we do? What do we do? I think that was his one line, wasn't it? <laughs> I just love that. It's so cute. Oh, I know. I know. Now, and there are early ones that I don't think. I mean, that one's obviously silly, but like uh, things that you might normally think, oh, that would be good. Is like I never liked Billy Bud when we saw that. Yeah. But I think a lot of that is that story. It's like really. Yeah, I think some of those other things that we saw him in, those like Playhouse 90 kind mm-hmm. of things, he was fine in them, but the the roles were not that good, certainly. Right. And, you know, it was live and it was under-rehearsed and they were trying to make sure they got everything right. So it wasn't sort of the, the peak acting experience. Right, right. I would, oh God, I just cannot even express how much I would have loved to have seen him on stage. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. It's awful that there's just nothing. Why did nobody film anything? They they had videotaped then. They could have videotaped things. Yeah. Well, you know, at the, uh, I think it's at the Equity Library in New York. Mm-hmm. They do have archival videos. And I don't know when they started making them. But once they started, it was done for every single show ever. But you can't just walk in there and say, I want to see this. You've got to, mm-hmm. you know, be somebody because there's all kinds of copyright and actors owning their own image issues. You know, that the certain things are allowed. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. They don't want people, you know, looking at stuff. And probably there's deathly afraid of people making copies of stuff. Exactly. That you would, you know, even if you were just watching it on a screen, you would like whip out your phone and video it and they can't have people doing that. Well, you know, something happened 10, 15 years ago. I remember hearing about it. So it was before everybody had phones. But uh, I can't remember what the show was, but it was a show, a famous choreographer had choreographed it Mm -hmm. and um, he had a very distinctive style and several months after it closed, he got a phone call from a friend who was like, who knows where, Ohio, Utah, something like that, seeing a local production of it. And the friend said, I think you need to come see this. Because they had somehow managed to almost exactly copy his staging and his choreography. And it became a huge issue because there is no acceptable markup language for choreography you know people just learn it Mm -hmm. and so does a director does a choreographer own that work and at what point are you ripping them off yeah yeah there is some intellectual property that's it yes yes yeah because you're you're creating maybe Mm -hmm. The individual steps aren't yours, but the way you put them together to craft the whole right. then becomes an original creation of you. Right. And it's like the play has a script. Music has a score. Mm-hmm. You know, all these these things have ways of being written down. And I'm sure now that, that everything is videotaped, it would probably be easier to prove, look, that's 90% me that, mm-hmm. that they're doing. But back then it was like... Uh, I don't know, like when you when you see a show being restaged, a Bob Fosse show being restaged by Anne Reinking or something, you're depending mm-hmm. on, first of all, that she was with him throughout the choreography or was in the show and knows his style so well that even if it's not a direct uh, 
replication of what they did, it's going to be very accurate style-wise. Mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. not like a, a, a written-down thing you can consult that in Measure 32 you did a double pirouette <laughs> or whatever it was. Right. Gosh, I wonder how they do that. That's very interesting. Yeah. It must be the same for ballet, right? I, mean- I think so. Um, but I don't know. Maybe somebody has developed it. But I know back then, they, you know, some people probably had scribbled notes on, in mm-hmm. their scripts and in their scores. But there wasn't like this markup, like music is a markup, written music. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything like that that was universally accepted for this is what this means. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That is very, very interesting. Yes. Although mm. not a problem Bill's likely to run into. No, no, probably not. Uh, well, speaking about um, music and things like that, I would like to talk about the video for common people. Oh, wait. We've got some more user questions. User. Oh, I'm sorry. Listener I thought questions. there were two and that was it. I, I want to hear the rest of the questions. Okay. Um, Margaret says, I'd just like to hear in general about your Bill interaction. Bill interactions with non-fans. Do you bring him up? Do you stick up for him if he's brought up? In short, do you shill Bill? <laughs> I like that. Yes. I, we, maybe we should have little buttons made up that says, I shill Bill. <laughs> um, well, I kind of know what my answer is. What's your No, answer? you go ahead. No, all right. My answer is yes, depending on who I'm talking to. Right. Because there are some people with whom I know it would be just opening myself up to a barrage of ridicule because they will never, ever understand or they have a very fixed opinion about who Bill is and what he does. And I'm kind of not interesting in evangelizing to people like mm-hmm. that because it, there's no point. You're just not going to get anywhere. Um I do talk about Bill pretty frequently to people who are my actual friends who who know that I like Star Trek and that I like Bill. Um, and people are pretty good about sending me things. Like I, my friends will send me stories and links and go, oh, did you see Bill is doing this or that? Yes. Because they know that I'm interested, which I very, very much appreciate. Um, I, I don't go out of my way to, to say, you know, oh, this show is really good. It reminds me of that show that Bill was in <laughs> once, you know, because I don't want to be that person who right. has to relate everything back to the celebrity that I, I have a podcast about. Right. Um, so it, it's a big, it depends, really. Um, I think you're a thousand percent right. And I like that you said, you know, evangelizing. Do we evangelize mm-hmm. Bill? And I would say, uh, no, I don't. Simply because I found out how pointless that is during the years you and I were in fanfic. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm not in that world anymore and just dip into actual fandom at my own chosen time and place, which is at a con Mm -hmm. where Bill is adored, (laughs) I don't run into that. Mm -hmm. And again, in real life, you know, the people who... Who who know me? Who really like me or love me or are close to me? You know they know, and they're they're all like, okay, well, you know that's cool. I'm into, um, you know Harrison Ford, Russell Crowe, um, mm-hmm. crocheting outfits for Beanie Babies. You know whatever it is, and and again, yeah, they do send me things, and I like too when my friends and family will refer to him as Bill. Yes, <laughs> there's only one Bill. You could never be talking about anybody else. 
It's it's really great. There there have been a few times in sort of general conversation with bigger groups of people mm-hmm. when maybe his name will come up because he's been in the news recently, mm-hmm. and and someone might say, "Gosh, he's eighty five years old, and what's he doing?" and blah blah blah. And I might chip in and go, "Oh, you know, he's he's doing a lot lately. He's done mm-hmm. this and this and this. And have you seen you know Boston Legal? If it seems like it's a uh, it it might be well received. Well, and for me, that's kind of a, a slippery slope because. <laughs> My mouth will get going, and then I won't shut up, and pretty soon I'll be getting these looks like, okay, we get it. You know everything about William Shatner. So I really, really try to dial that down to low, Mm -hmm. you know. But, you know, like when I'm with you, I mean, what is that, 90% of our conversation? (laughs) Of course. Of course it is. And I will say I am also very careful with other people who are not my, my close friends if we're talking about Bill, to to acknowledge that he has done a lot of bad movies oh, yeah. and that he is a terrible ham. Like, yes, I know that. I, I'm not mm-hmm. denying reality and saying, no, he never did any of those things. But to say, yes, but there's this whole other side of him. And just to, to make them aware, perhaps, of things that they didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know a friend said to me once, um, who I hadn't seen in many years, and uh, we had reconnected through Facebook, and so, you know, she had gotten to know that, you know, I had this podcast and everything like that. And when we finally met again face-to-face, we were just hanging out and finally she says, so what is this thing with Shatner? (laughs) And I did not even know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain it to a person who is not obsessed with Mm -hmm. a particular celebrity. It doesn't have to be Bill. It could be anybody. Um, And... Uh, you know, I grew up with a mother who was obsessed with Frank Sinatra, and we all called him mm-hmm. Frank, mm-hmm. like we knew him, which we did. And um, <laughs> so I, I, I could not explain it to her. I just always kind of say, I came by it honestly. <laughs> you know, I inherited that, that tendency, uh-huh. and he came along at the right time. Or, you know, I just, oh, I can't. It, you can't explain it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go way out on a limb and say it's like explaining your religion. Mm, it is. A I'm not bit saying like that. he is my religion, but you know when you say to somebody, "Why do you believe in magic, Jesus?" Yeah. Uh huh. You know, put it in terms I can understand. Mm-hmm. Well, they can't because it's all based on feelings within themselves. That's right. It's not rational. Right. It is not, log- it is not it logical. It is not logical. But it is true. And, and that's the beauty of it. <laughs> so, yeah, I completely agree with all those things. That That is the way life is, right? You don't get to pick who you're obsessed with. Right. It the just heart it happens wants and there what you the are. heart wants. That's right. And so there you does are. the pussy. <laughs> oh, it's so true. And I, I just... I'm glad that it's Bill, though. I have to say, oh. you know, out of, out of any other celebrity, I'm really glad that it's Bill. Well, it, it, especially, I think we've talked about this before, like in the past 10 years or so, since Bill discovered the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> he is so out there doing things. He just uh, finished doing the, the scavenger hunt again, and he's over in Asia somewhere now doing um, 
Better Late Than Never, is that what it's right. called? That's I mean, right. he's yeah. out there doing things. He's doing his motorcycle ride. He's pitching scripts. He's, you know, he is just everywhere. And it's like, if there was a celebrity to be obsessed with, he's the easiest one. He really is. <laughs> because he's just, he's, just, he's, he's just out there having a blast. And and doing good at the same time. I'm always just so impressed by his charity work mm-hmm. and all the causes that he supports and just watching him shut down rude people on Twitter. You know, he he's like a force for good. Yes. Most of most of the time, I will say, he really is. And that's that's very heartwarming. Yes. It is for me anyway. Uh speaking of shutting down rude people on Twitter, did you see this thing about the fake target customer service guy? <laughs> yes, yes I did. Oh my god, that was so funny. So for those of you who don't know, I'll just briefly summarize um, you probably heard Target is no longer doing gender tagging on children's toys. Yes, so there's, there's not separate sections for girls' toys and boys' toys. And a bunch of people are totally, totally upset with this. And we're, um, you know, t- tweeting about it. And some guy who just found them ridiculous and funny decided he was going to pretend to be Target customer service and just respond to them in the rudest way possible. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very funny. So anyway, one last question. Yes. This is a question for me, and I'm, I'm really, uh, I don't know how to answer it. Maybe you can help me. It's from Margaret. Okay. She says, JK, would a fic about James T. Kirk, cabaret singer, not be <laughs> the greatest fan work ever? Can you picture it? If so, can you write it immediately? <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, I, am re- I am really afraid of those two worlds colliding. <laughs> And I have to tell you, when I first started out in fanfic and wrote my first story about Brandt, which I didn't know was going to turn into a series, mm-hmm. that she was going to be my own personal, wonderful Mary Sue, but um, because I sing, I deliberately made her a terrible singer. Because mm-hmm. I knew if I didn't, I would have her bursting into song like every <laughs> other paragraph. So, um, also, I just, I cannot see James T. Kirk doing that. Mm. Can you? Not really. He's not a, he's not an entertainer kind of guy. No. No, he's, you know, one of the things I like about Kirk is he is very focused on his mission, his ship, and yeah. and all those things. So that would be a real, str- a real, real stretch. It would, you know, it would be, it would be one of these really bad fix where um, in order to, to steal the Klingon weapon or get crucial information, he has to masquerade as uh-huh. the MC in Cabaret or something right, ridiculous. Right. And it would be slashy and, and everything and... Yeah, so so um, I am sorry to disappoint Margaret, <laughs> but that will yeah. not be forthcoming. <laughs> uh, I don't I'm, I don't see that happening. I will say though that um, our friend Big Miss Sunbeam, who's a wonderful writer, her. had at one point written this amazing fic that was about most of the TNG characters performing in a cabaret. Oh, really? Oh, my God. It was the weirdest thing I ever read. It was very much stream of consciousness and with a lot of other stuff thrown in it. It was sort of like if Hunter S. Thompson was writing Star Trek fanfic. (laughs) While stoned. While stoned, yes. yes. There was a a lot of uh, drug imagery in it. And it was really funny and really good. But I don't know that you could do it with the TOS cast. It worked a lot better for the TNG cast. Well, you could, to try to find you that. could do it with Uhura. 
Yeah, well, yeah, because she that's sings part of anyway, her you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But oh, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, something I've been meaning to to bring up for us to talk about, and since it just occurred to me, and we were talking about a weird, stupid slash fic where he has to pretend to be a cabaret <laughs> yes. singer. Neither one of us participates in fanfic anymore. And no. I am wondering how Slash and KS in particular has changed uh, now that gay marriage is breaking out all hmm. over. And there are, I mean, it really does look like, I'm saying several generations down because these things, it really is a trickle down thing where there will be so few people who are homophobic or, or think that that's unnatural or nasty or whatever, that it won't be worth counting. And the KS angst dynamic has always been sort of two pronged, which is being gay is this big secret you have to keep. And the other one is that it's one of his own officers. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering do they all write that I can't do it? You're one of my officers, Vic, now? or That's an excellent question. Uh, I, I'm going to put that down on my list as a subject to do some research mm. in. I um, applaud you. <laughs> I'd like to know that answer as well, how things have changed. I know that um, from stuff I've read through other fandoms, the, the fanfic that Slash tends to be of two kinds. One is the angsty kind, mm-hmm. and one is the everything is normal kind, and I really prefer the everything is normal kind. Can you give me an of, example of an everything is normal one like that I might be familiar with? Well, let, let's take Doctor Who, because I've read a bunch of Doctor okay. Who fanfic, and in some of them, um, the Doctor, and it doesn't matter which Doctor, whether it's 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever, mm-hmm. um, is, is sort of pansexual, and nothing is off limits and if he ends up having a relationship with another man it's just another relationship to him and nobody cares and it's not viewed as weird or unnatural or just different from anything well you and, see for me that works with doctor who just by the nature of the character because right. they're, they're just a smidge off of that as far as how far they'll take it on tv but mm-hmm. I'm thinking of something where the characters are written heterosexual. Heterosexual, And yeah. they're being slashed in a way that, well, this is perfectly normal. And I can't think of a offhand of a, a KS fic that I ever encountered that did that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've read some fun fics where Kirk himself was basically treated as, you know, Kirk will have sex with any, anyone right. at any time. Yes, I've read a few and, of those. But but those fics are always very lighthearted. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not meant to be establishing relationships. They're just more about having fun. Um, and I I haven't read that much in other fandoms, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I know that the people who are supernatural fans write tons and tons of fanfic, but I suspect it's all very angsty. Uh huh. It's all very much like, oh, we can't do this, or we shouldn't do this, or you know, unrequited love or whatever. And I'm just not a fan of that anymore. (laughs) Well, I know around the time when I got out of Ascom, which was where I had basically been hanging out Mm -hmm. a lot, um, the KS had taken a real juvenile turn. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were Trek babies, but there were also um, just tons of, of, of silly, Mm -hmm. silly stories. And some of them silly to the point of being, why bother? 
Mm-hmm. And what were those things called? Drabbles. I mean, it was yeah, little drabbles were like tribbles. They were everywhere. We were tripping on them. And some of them were fun, and I wrote a few. But um, it seemed like the effort to write a serious story, not necessarily an angsty story, but a serious story and to to put some time into it, in some cases weeks or months or longer, to get it right, it, it kind of seemed like that had fallen by the wayside. Mm. I think that's probably, well, I don't know. I, I would say from what I remember, yes, it was true then. I don't know what it's like now. Yeah. And I don't know what it's like for all the people who are movie fans because there is tons of fiction for the movie verse. Right. Tons and tons and tons of it. And I've never read any of that because I just. Oh, I would, I would never want to read it. The movies themselves, I was thinking about it today, that it just angers me <laughs> that Spock is the hero. Mm-hmm. He is such. A damaged individual in our canon, you know, by virtue of having this internal war going on. Mm-hmm. And he's got to be even more damaged in that one because he saw his home world blown up with his parents. Yep. And then, you know, freaked out by meeting his, his old wrinkly <laughs> self. <laughs> yes. I mean, th- this guy should should be, you know... Somewhere on major drugs for PTSD and have a have a service dog. Yeah. A service kangaroo. <laughs> a service kangaroo. Or a, a service sellout. Yes, or know. La Matcha. A service La Matcha. <laughs> well, we kind of got off the topic. <laughs> that, but this is a very interesting topic. I'm, I'm going to look around and, and see. I, I, I know uh, from some other fandom places that I hang out that... There are still people who love writing incredibly long fics. Mm-hmm. So there are lots and lots of people out there writing, you know, multiple thousands of word, tens of thousands of word fix for all kinds of fandoms. So that kind of writing effort is still there. I'm just not sure where it's being applied. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just I just wondered if, if Slash has changed. Now, I know there are many, many parts of the world where, you know homosexuality is probably still not just frowned upon but illegal and Mm -hmm. punishable by jail or death but there are every day it seems like more and more places where it's it's being normalized you know through through legislation yeah and i just wonder you know that that was one of the 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 i think appeals Mm -hmm. of slash fiction was the idea of forbidden definitely It, it i wonder if um, fiction will change a lot more in the next 20 years than it has in the past 20 years. Well, you know, it's really interesting. I just read an article on uh, somebody had gone back and there's a list of like the 50 greatest sci-fi novels ever or something. And this person mm-hmm. had gone and read them and many of them, you know, were older. And uh, it was a woman and she said some of them she had read when she was a teenager and loved them. And rereading them, she was appalled at how, <laughs> how homophobic they were yeah. and how anti-female. Yes. And she came up with her own Bechdel test for fiction, which is, are there at least two female characters? Um, I forget what the second question was, but the third question was, do they have a skill or or an ability that is crucial to the story? Mm-hmm. You know, not just being there to be rescued. 
or that type of thing. I think it was mm-hmm. two main characters, and they have names, and they have a, a useful skill. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. M- many books would not pass that, that very low bar, just as many movies don't pass right. the Right. Well, and I just saw that somebody, one of the, the cable networks, is going to do a... Uh, a, a TV movie or a series or whatever of, I believe it was Frederick Pohl's Gateway. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that book, and unless I'm mixing it up with some other book, a lot of it hinges, and it takes place in the future, on this guy absolutely unable to acknowledge, because of what the repercussions would be, that he's gay. Hmm. And I'm wondering, how are they going to handle that? Oh, that could be very interesting. That would be good. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, let's take a break. Yes, let's do it, and then we're going to talk about common people. Okay. (laughs) As opposed to fictional, wonderful people. Yeah, yeah. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Okay, somebody did a fan vid set to Common People. It's so good. It is really good. But I have to confess that I came across that link over a week ago. I watched it. I put it on the list. And now I've totally forgotten what goes on in it. But I know I liked it a lot. So maybe you have a fresher comment. (laughs) Uh, Well, yes, I did just watch it. And it's great. So they took scenes from uh, original series episodes and edited them, edited them all together to go with the song. And in some cases, there are lyrics in the song that are exactly what Kirk or someone else is saying in a scene, which is hilarious. Uh, and it, it's, it works really well. They did a good job of matching some of what's happening. Uh, like when the lyrics talk about going dancing, they'll show a scene of people dancing. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a really good matchup. And the focus is really on Kirk and there's some good shots at the end of just him sort of smiling, which I liked a lot. And it's it's fun. It goes along really fast, and the editing is amazing. They did a wonderful job. I remember thinking that, and that um, during the the drum bits, the fast cuts were really mm-hmm. well done. Really, really good. And, you know, listening to it again, I was like, oh, this is such a good song. I had forgotten how good it was because I haven't listened to it in a couple of months. And it's so good. It's such a good version of that song. It, it is. amazing. It is. He's wonderful. So we'll put up the link. You definitely want to go take a look at that. Yes, it is worth it. Um, speaking of videos, let's talk about Sarai's yes! view of Wrath of Khan because it's so good. Yes, Sarai has done her recap of Wrath of Khan. This is the first movie she's done. So the recap is like 11 minutes long. She's got a lot to say, a lot goes on mm-hmm. in the movie. It is so, so wonderful and so her. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to actually take notes. <laughs> I took a few notes myself, so you go first. Oh, okay. Well, she doesn't like the new ship. No, it does not like it. Because the other ship looked real. 
<laughs> and I think that's funny because the other ship is one that was cheap and made of cardboard. But <laughs> That's right. So she has very good taste. Um, she says Captain Kirk is sad because he's getting old. Mm-hmm. And she thinks that's really sad because he can't do the fist tie <laughs> or the chop or the kick or any of those things. And she thinks that's sad. He, she says he can't do any of those moves anymore. <laughs> I like that, that she calls them moves. It's so good. Well, you know, I'm trying to think. Um, there is that fight in uh, Undiscovered Country with the big mm-hmm. giant alien, but he, I, he doesn't get a fist tie on. In fact, I don't think he does a fist tie on the movies. No, I don't think he does. And he doesn't do the flying kick either. Yeah. What a loss. <laughs> what a loss. Um, when she's quoting... Chekhov, I can't remember what the word is she said. She says it exactly like him. It's over-enunciated. It is. Her her um, imitation of different people in the movie talking is so good. When she does Khan, she sounds like Khan. She gets the inflection exactly right. And when she does Kirk, when she does anybody, it's like, how can she be so good at doing that? She's just a little I know. She sounds just like him. And so when... Uh, when Khan comes on the viewer, she said, and then Khan is on the TV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Kirk tricks him. Yes. And she says, she likes Kirk being really tricky because he's really, really good at that. <laughs> I love that. She's so right. He is tricky. But the, uh, this, I actually think, is the best. When he yells, Khan, and she does great Khan, <laughs> it's so loud you can hear it outside the planet. Yes, that was brilliant. She's right. She's totally right about She's that. absolutely right. And then she says when Spock died, she cried. Oh, that just tore my heart I out. I know. And, and then, then oh. Scotty played this sad little song. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was great. Um, when Right when she's talking about the this, right before Kirk yells Khan, when she's doing uh, Khan, Kirk's taunting him and saying, you know, come down here and get me. And Khan's like, no, I will leave you. Buried alive. Yes. And, he, and, and she does it just like that. It's so good. And and her dad, as he was editing it, synced her voice with Khan on screen mm-hmm. saying it. And it's like she's doing it. It's so good. Oh, and she is so grossed out, just like me, by mm-hmm. that little creature. Yep, the worm. The little worm. And, and Kirk kills it. And I was glad because I didn't want to look at that anymore. It's gross. Gross. <laughs> Uh, I liked that she said that Kirk was so sad at the end because Spock... First she says because Spock was his officer, but then he was his best, best friend. That's right. Yes. Yeah. But the, the, I, it was really cute the way she described the the ending about, you know... Yes. The, the, and so Spock <laughs> went to a better planet, but this is a really special planet where it can bring, bring people back to life. And that's what happens in the next movie, so that's <laughs> yes. not too sad. <laughs> I know. That was great. It's like, okay, you can spoil it. It's it's fine. Everyone's seen it. We all know what happened. And she does like David because he tries to knife his dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's it's about um what, like ten minutes long? It's eleven minutes, something okay. right around eleven minutes, but it is it is so so worth it. I mean all I of her it. things are just great. It's great. And and I love her, her very slight um 
pronunciations when she has a V in certain words. Mm-hmm. So she, it still sounds like she's saying Balkan instead of Vulcan. It does, yes. And then when she says the word revenge several times, it comes out revenge. Oh, and one time she she one time she calls it the Kobayashi test, but later right. she calls it the Komamashi. <laughs> yes. Well, that's pretty good. It is. It is. Oh, it's great. So, yes, everyone must go and watch that because it's amazing. And she thinks the character's name is Mr. Savick. Yes. And she doesn't Mr. know Savick. why they call her Mr. because she's a girl. <laughs> but she, after that, always refers to her as Mr. Savick. Mm-hmm. And Carol's just the scientist or the, the lady scientist. scientist. Yes. Does she even call David by his name? I don't no, think she, she does. Kirk's she just son. He's Kirk's son. That's all you need to know. Yes. That's all that's important. <laughs> but, um,. Yeah, that was that was delightful. But you know, it really is sad that Kirk can't do the fist haya anymore. I, I know, I know. It was it was part of his his old life in the before time, <laughs> <laughs> when he was a million light years away from Starfleet and could do whatever the hell he wanted. That's right. They didn't care. Once he became an admiral, the fist hayas were all over. Yeah, <laughs> they took away his membership card <laughs> in the the fist haya fight club. Uh, um. You know, oh, really, I think that probably was a big part of his problem. Not the fist tie but being too close to authority. Yeah. That, that, you know, if he did something, even before you found out if it turned out good or bad, which, because it's Kirk, it always turns out good, mm-hmm. they could, you know, come down on him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's much better off when he's just out there doing stuff yeah. on his own. Yeah, with the chop and the <laughs> everything. Oh, uh, okay. Well, let's let's go through the stuff on your list. So there was an article about red shirts. This was very interesting. It was. It was. Uh, yeah. Let me get that open. But it was mainly about the red shirt in uh, the uh, what's the episode called? Uh, uh, the, so the woman who was in the apple. That's the name of the ap- the episode. Yeah. Thank you. Oh wait, I have to. Okay, it says even the red shirts find lasting. Fame on Star Trek. I have to click mm-hmm. through something to. Uh, they want to know how often I eat out at a restaurant. Oh, who cares? I think the uh, impetus for writing this article was that there was a Star Trek convention, and some of the people featured in this article happened to be at the convention, so it was giving them a little bit of publicity, which was very nice. Okay, I'm still trying to get it to come up. <laughs> um. I will I will fill in for you. I'll okay. vamp a little bit. The best part about this was her uh, memories involving William Shatner. That's what I was trying to get to, so you go ahead. Okay, so this was Celeste Yarnell, and she was one of the five people who appeared in The Apple, and she was Chekhov's sort of love interest. And she was great. Uh, she I remember her very well in this, that she was mm-hmm. tough, and she fought, and she did things, and she didn't stand around screaming. Uh, so it says her most vivid memories involve William Shatner. Quote, he was hysterical. Bill and Leonard had a great time rhyming on what the other would say, and the banter back and forth between them was really wonderful, with Leonard staying in character the whole time. When you're a guest star, you walk into what is essentially a family, and you're the new person, but Bill made me feel very comfortable. I bet he did. I bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, what season is that episode? The Apple? Isn't that the first season? Is it? No, Chekhov's in it. Oh, Chekhov. Sorry, second okay, season. Then. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, they also talked to uh, Julie Cobb, who was in By Any Other Name, very briefly. Right. As the, the yeoman who gets turned into a cube and then gets crumbled. <laughs> I didn't know she's Lee J. Cobb's daughter. 
I had no idea. I mean, I looked at her name and sort of vaguely, I was like, oh, I wonder if she's related. And then it says, oh, yes, and that's his daughter. So that was very interesting. Um, and let's see. Again, about Bill, she says, being the baby on the show, I was absolutely terrified, but the director and the cast couldn't have been nicer, especially Bill. He worked with my father in the Brothers Karamazov a decade earlier. And I'm sure all of these women have very fond memories of Bill being nice to them. Mm-hmm. Very nice to them. He probably had them come to his uh, his trailer so they could listen to music, right? Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. Um, I like this part. I finally got it to come up. Uh, Cobb was saying how he was very supportive, and we worked together on one of his last TV roles, an episode of Gunsmoke. He also passed on valuable advice Mm -hmm. for managing nerves. He asked me a very profound question. How do you know it's not excitement? And she says, I'm trying to man in front of windows. Well, in the future, I just told myself I'm excited to have this role and never felt nervous again. That's amazing. What a great piece of advice. I know. That is so insightful. Yes. Well, he was an excellent actor, and I'm sure that that was part of his discovery mm-hmm. of how to do things. That was great. I was also really happy to see they mentioned at the end that um, Yarnell had, had cancer, mm-hmm. and she needed some money to help pay for expenses, so she put up a GoFundMe account, and all sorts of Star Trek fans came and donated money. How wonderful, like how touching that fandom can come together and do that. And it doesn't for surprise pe- me in the least. Yeah, for people who were in one episode mm-hmm. so many years ago for, you know, 20 minutes, she's, that's great. She's part of the mythology. Yeah, so I was really happy to read that. Somebody posted to the, the Shatner board within the past week a bunch of pictures of, uh, I forget the, the actress's name, but who played Raina. Oh, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. we saw her in a in an a early TV show with Bill with mm-hmm. dark hair. But, but there were pictures of her in later roles. But right in the middle of it was oh. a big picture of her. And they were both smiling um, with her arms around Don Rickles. And oh, I wow. thought, was she married to Don Rickles? <laughs> so I had to quickly go go and research it. No, he had a TV show that lasted less than a season, like a sitcom. And she played huh. his wife. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's that's kind of crazy. But she was a good actress. I remember when we talked about that episode, we were saying how well yeah. she, she portrayed that, that character and the yeah. awakening of emotions. It was wonderful. Really, really good. Yes, it was. Ah, good. Well, that was a cool article. Um, the The next one is the uh, Star Trek philosophy. Yes. <laughs> this was very funny. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny even if you don't know, if you don't know the, the bones of every one of these mm-hmm. uh, philosophers, which I don't, but it, it you know, it's... Um, it starts, it's a cartoon, it's a comic strip, Captain's Log, mm-hmm. Stardate, blah, 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 blah. This is David Hume. <laughs> and then he's, he's uh, interrupted by his science officer, which is Bertrand Russell. And they all start arguing, and then various other people come in. Um, uh-huh. Khan is uh, Kant, or wait. Kant, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's really clever. It's very, very funny, and and I I really like that they're very meta-aware of what's going on. Yes. Um, And use actual quotes from some of the philosophers, like like David Hume saying, you can't get an ought from an is, Russell. (laughs) And then Russell, Vulcan Bertrand Russell says, reason tells us, and he replies, reason is a slave to the passions, Russell. How many times have I told you? (laughs) It's great. And then you get um, Captain David Hume also ripping his shirt off. Yes. (laughs) Because we know that's what he would do. <laughs> it's really good. And and um, 
Khan, Khan says to him. Anyway, my revenge is at hand. I have written a really long book about why you are wrong. And he hands him a giant book. <laughs> That's how philosophers do That's things. how things work. That's great. Um, so that was very funny. I want to skip ahead to the Please. article about artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. That was good. This was a very long article. And mm-hmm. I found it so interesting, not just because of the Star Trek thing, but um, they were interviewing, who were they interviewing? Stuart Russell. Mm-hmm. And he is a, an AI scientist, I guess. And they said, what do you think is a good example of AI? And he said, the computer on Star Trek. Because you can ask it a question, and it understands it and can give you the answer, not a list of possible answers like <laughs> Google search does. And he's saying, yep. that's, that's good AI. And if you read this whole article, I probably, like most people, had this idea of AI automatically means sentient conscious machines. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, therefore they're making judgment calls and all this sort of stuff. And eventually we'll, you know, we'll reach the singularity and they'll wipe us all out and it'll just be a machine world. But this gives... Um, a, I thought a very good explanation of why that isn't what AI is, is is working towards. It's not what they're trying to do. They are trying to do things like the Star Trek computer. Mm-hmm. And I just found that really interesting. Yeah, it's a great interview. And, and this guy is very, um, he talks in a way that you can understand what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So it's not a lot of jargon or technology or exposition police stuff being thrown at you. It's He really gives good examples and is able to explain what he means pretty precisely, I yes. So it was great. And some of this stuff I never even heard of. Like he talks about um, the question was, what's the most impressive real world use of AI technology? And he says there's a thing called Deep Minds DQN system. It wakes up, sees the screen of a video game and works out works out how to play the video game to a superhuman level. It can do that for about 30 different Atari titles. And that was like. That's really interesting. Yeah. Like, they just give it video games to play, and it learns how to do it, and then it masters them very quickly. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, he just uh, – and, and the interviewer at one point says, I suppose the singularity is not even an issue right now. He responds, the singularity has nothing to do with consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it really – if you're if you're getting worried about robots taking over the world, or if you're just interested in what's going on in that field, other than this vague thing we have of, you know, that we'll all have android servants who will eventually kill us all, um, I strongly recommend this article. I found it very enlightening. Yeah. It was great, and I was uh, sort of amazed that it was published in Business Insider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of all places. So that tells you who the audience is for stuff. It's very cool. Yeah, and here it says, what is the most common misconception of AI? And uh, he says that what AI people are working towards is a conscious machine, and that until you have conscious machine, there's nothing to worry about. It's really a red herring. To my Mm -hmm. knowledge, nobody, no one who is publishing papers in the main field of AI is even working on consciousness. I think there are some neuroscientists who are trying to understand it, but I'm not aware that they've made any progress. No one has a clue how to build a conscious (laughs) machine at all. We have less clue about how to do that than we have about build a faster-than-light spaceship. Yes, exactly. I, yeah, this this was 
like you said, he's very well spoken. He can express himself very precisely. But for somebody who who knew nothing, you know, other than the average Joe about AI, I was completely able to understand everything he was saying. He doesn't talk over your head. Yeah, um, so it's great. So I just I just found that interesting. But it caught my eye, and I think it showed up in my feed because of him having talked about the Star Trek computer. Mm-hmm. That is just a big repository of knowledge, but you don't have to search th- for it. Mm-hmm. Really, right? It- that's what we want. Yes. That's exactly what we want. Yes. So I thought... Very cool. I'm glad you found that. Yeah. I'm glad we could talk about it. Um, I would like to, to um, talk about a Kickstarter yes. that I just funded. This is great. So I don't know how I found this. It was on one of the um, Star Trek tumblers that I follow. But it's a Kickstarter for a book called Ladies of Kirk, which immediately attracted my <laughs> attention. It's like ladies and Kirk in the same sentence? Of course. And I, I think we could put ourselves in that category. Oh, we're the butt extent. girls. That's right. So <laughs> it's an illustrated guide to all the women Captain Kirk ever kissed. And it's done by a woman named Kelly McMorris, who is an illustrator. And she decided that since she loves Star Trek and she loves doing illustrations of 60s fashion, she would put together a little book of illustrations of all the women that Captain Kirk kissed in Star Trek and called it Ladies of Kirk. And if you go to her Tumblr, and I'll put the link up for it, you can see the one she's done already. Mm -hmm. And I just love her art style. Yeah, I looked through them. They're so cute. And the way she's got each of them posed, you know, it's really true to their character. And they're great. They look like the, the actors. And each one has a little quote. And then the other, the opposite page has some background on the character and what they're doing in that particular episode. So she did this Kickstarter to get the book published nicely. Mm-hmm. And she was asking for $2,500. And within a couple of days, she got over $3,000, which is awesome. Uh, I pledged because I really wanted a copy of the book. Right. And she's going to put some uh, stretch goals in there, too. So I was just so happy to see that she got this thing funded so that quickly. Is... And I can't wait to get the book <laughs> when it's published. Well, you know what it reminded me of? One of the last things I remember truly, truly enjoying on Ask Him was I cannot remember the writer's name, but she wrote a series of drabbles, and I know I was slamming drabbles earlier, but <laughs> the whole series was called Kissing Captain Kirk. Oh, yes, those were and wonderful. And each one of them was those. a 100-word story mm-hmm. about each woman that Kirk had ever kissed, and I loved it mm-hmm. so much. I and other people asked her, could could I write one, you know, sort of a tangent to the series? So I did, you know, a Brant one, of course, mm-hmm. but... They they were so, so clever. And when I saw this, Ladies of Kirk, and it's every woman Kirk ever kissed, I thought, oh, my God, I think if I had that, I would have to, like, print out each one of those drabbles and, and interleave them in the book. So I'd have the story <laughs> along with the lady. Oh, that's a great idea. Uh, so that was Lyra who wrote all Yes, Lyra Starr. Yeah, and the, you can get them. I'll put in a link. You can find oh, them pretty cool, easily. Oh, cool, because I want to go reread the them now. Yeah, those were so good. They were. Yep, I, I love those stories. They were so much fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was great. Good. Glad. Thanks for remembering. I, I want to go read those again, Yeah, too. those were fun. <laughs> they were good. But there are no cabaret singers. As far as we know, Kirk <laughs> has not kissed a cabaret singer. We, we don't know. A belly dancer? Um, definitely a belly yeah. dancer. All right, let me see. Um, what did I, oh, I would like to talk about the Susan Sackett book. Oh, right, right. Okay. Uh, while we're going down our list of things. So um, this was a – how the hell did I even come across this book? Maybe I mentioned it last time. You but did. That's right. I did because she had 
come out with the news that she'd had this affair with Jean Roddenberry, and she wrote a book, and you and I were like, she wrote a book? I didn't know about that. Yes. So I started looking, and I found the book on Amazon, and she also has a little website set up that unfortunately looks very dated. Um, It's it's very sort of GeoCities-looking website, and it was put up when she had originally been promoting the book, and I don't think she's bothered to update it since then. So whatever. Um, And you can go on Amazon, and you can read an excerpt from the book. They give you free excerpts from books. And her excerpt is pretty long. It's like 10 pages of the book, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty much, I think, the first chapter. So I read it. And it was very disturbing in a number of ways. Um, And as I looked at the reviews, there was one review that I thought really captured how I felt just reading it. I'd like to read the whole book to see what it says. Uh But this review I thought was good. So I'd like to read some of that sure. review. But I, I wanted to know if you had any thoughts, if, if you read the excerpt. And I did read the excerpt. It. So go ahead and read the review, mm-hmm. please. Okay. And this is by a guy named William Ashbless. I have no idea who he is. So she says, this is the story of hero worship turned doomed love affair. The two main characters come off here as rather sad people. First, there's Roddenberry. From this account, it seems that, regardless of his marital status, he pushes himself upon any reasonably attractive, reasonably intelligent woman within his sphere. The beginning of his affair with Sackett totally skeeved me out. He was married to Majel Barrett Roddenberry, his second wife, with a newborn baby in the house. He first manipulates Sackett, his newly hired assistant, into swimming naked in his pool. Then, despite many rebuffs, he continually solicits oral sex from her until she finally gives in. Yuck. And throughout their affair, he shows little interest in her pleasure. Indeed, in his booze and pills-addled state, there's not much he could do. Nor is he even capable of being faithful to Sackett. Then there's Miss Sackett herself. She's clearly warm and extremely intelligent, but incapable or unwilling to engage in much self-assessment here. Okay, she falls in love, I get it. But to a man she can never have... Roddenberry being both married and often impotent. And then she finds emotional consolation in two other men also available. They're gay. Anyone see a pattern here? Um, Along with the stories of the authors and Roddenberry's motel room trysts, afternoon sneakaways and occasional trips, I anxiously wanted to find some sense of emotional growth, some movement beyond her self-described codependency. It never comes. And this is what was missing in this story for me. At one point, Sackett attends a weekend seminar that sounds a lot like a landmark for him and claims to emerge feeling empowered. But even that doesn't seem to spark any analysis of her codependency. Toward the end, as Roddenberry's health severely declines, she's asked to take a pay cut. Finally, she reports feeling shocked when his death leaves her on the outside. Isn't that the near-universal fate of the other woman? A decade and a half is insufficient time for Miss Sackett to prepare herself professionally, legally, or emotionally for the inevitable. It's Backstreet. It really is. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's like he says, it's sad that the, these two people mm-hmm. are sort of sad people, and the whole thing is sad, and at the end, it's even more sad mm-hmm. that she's shocked when he's dead, and then they boot her out of her office, and they're like, sorry. What did she expect Majel to do? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to read it to to get the full story, but just from the excerpt, I felt that this review captured a lot of what I was feeling about and it. And just, you know, hearing the review just made me feel kind of grimy. Yeah. You know, like I was sort of spying on somebody's private pain. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, it... it People make their own life choices, whatever. 
um, I don't know that if that had been me making those choices, I would have written a book about it because it, it really makes her and him look very bad. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't reflect well on either of them. And from what I understand from some of the other reviews, Majel is really made out to be just the evil queen oh. in all this. And it's like, well, come on. Of course, you would think of it that way because you were his mistress. Right. And he told you all the bad things that ever happened with Majel. Of course. You know, and he never told you any of the good stuff. And how did Majel feel having, knowing, I'm, I'm sure she knew that they were sleeping together and she had to be nice to her whenever she came in the house. Yes. To Like, what do you expect? What was she supposed to do? Be nice to you? Here, have a sandwich. Like, yeah. Ugh, that, that just kills me. And poor Majel, right? She married him because she was having an affair with him when he was married to his first wife. Mm -hmm. And then she got married to him. And then he proceeded to have affairs with lots of other women. And she chose to stay married to him because I guess they had a child. And maybe she really loved him and hoped that things would change. And they never did. But how sad is that? Oh, I know. Yeah, the whole thing is, like I said, it's backstreet. And there's there's no winners. No. So... I don't know. Like you said, it made me feel kind of grimy, too, knowing about it. What I'd like to know more about, I really don't want to know much more about their relationship, but the review mentions that there's some um, good behind-the-scenes Trek stuff about what happened. Well, it's some of the stuff that Bill touched on in Chaos on the Bridge with how things happened on the set of TNG with DC Fontana mm-hmm. and David Gerald. Like, that I'm really interested in reading about, and I think that part would be very interesting. Yeah. Oh, speaking of behind-the-scenes stuff, if I can change the topic, are Please. we through with that? Okay, I think we're one done of the with people, that. One of the people who posts now fairly regularly on the Shatner Facebook is somebody who is the um, the Star Trek V Appreciation Society and <laughs> thinks it's a movie that is not given the right credit and everything, but <laughs> um, has, you know, dug up interviews and behind-the-scenes pictures and everything. But something he posted recently I found really interesting – um, <clears throat> what's the name of the guy who directed Wrath of Khan? I always blank on his name. Nicholas Meyer. Nicholas Meyer. And he produced Star Trek IV. Mm-hmm. Okay, when Bill came to direct Star Trek V, he wanted Nick Meyer to be his producer because he mm-hmm. thought Nick had done a great job. And Meyer did not want to do it, and it had nothing to do with Bill. And Meyer said, he's quoted in this, as, as saying he had gone through such hell with Nimoy huh. being so controlling. Oh, really? Yes. And he said, so there I am as a producer up against both the director and the star. And so I had, you know, no, no power at all. And Bill was really going, but I, I want you, I need your help, I need your insight. And so the two of them sat down and had this really honest discussion about, you know, what Meyer had, had felt mm-hmm. and why he didn't want to do it. And I guess, you know, Bill talked him into it. And he said, Bill was wonderful through the whole thing. Wow. And oh. a couple of people commented, you're always hearing that Leonard was the saint, nothing against Leonard, <laughs> and Bill was the bastard. But... In this case, it was very different. I guess Leonard maybe went a little mad with power or something. Yeah. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Isn't it? Wow. I had never heard that before. I never had either. And we know everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. 
Oh, that's very funny. Uh, I, I, I'm okay. That's really cool. I like knowing that. Yes. That makes me feel yes. Like I know something else. Um, I've just decided that I'm going to I'm going to sign up for this class that Bill was talking about. Oh, oh good. I was hoping one of us would. And my schedule yeah. has gotten so jam packed that um, I don't know that I can take on one more thing, but. Well, it's a completely online class, right. and also it's free. Yes, <laughs> which is always the a two plus. most important things. That's right. And Bill was promoting it, so it's a class on Star Trek and its effects on the real world, and it's um, being held online by uh, uh, where is it? Uh, oh, I, I guess it's just under this guy's name. His name is um, Stephen Rotolo, and he's doing it online, and you can sign up for it, and it's all watching his lectures, I guess, and I don't know what kind of coursework there is for a free class. <laughs> um, but it, it looks really good, so here's what it says. Um, Syracuse professor, oh sorry, it's Anthony Rotolo, is offering a free online class open to the public about Star Trek and, and its effect on the real world. We will focus on media history and the real world implications of technologies Star Trek started or inspired. We use computer software's weapons. Folks can go out and buy a drone. It's a new frontier. I think Star Trek still has a lot to say. It's as relevant as it ever was. Students will also learn about the history and evolution of the franchise, science, facts, and fiction, the tradition of using sci-fi storytelling to explore such issues as race, gender, and politics. Shatner learned about the course courtesy of a Twitter fan, and he told the fan, watch this. I love that. He then tweeted out a message to his many Twitter fans. Hey, Rotolo, can anyone sign up for your class? How do I know you got it right? <laughs> and the guy replied, there's always room for you in Trek class, Captain. <laughs> uh, the class begins in September and runs through December. For more information, head to the link located here. Well, you better uh, get an A in this class. That's right. So I guess it's through Syracuse, which is where he mm -hmm. teaches. Um, but the website is rotoloclass.com. Well, and it's, and it's, it's not a university offering. That's right. You know, it's just he, a He's open, doing it on his own. I, yeah, I read that. Yeah, just, yeah. just because he wanted to. So if you go to this page, it'll tell you a little more about it. And down at the bottom, it says, um, are you ready to enlist, cadet? Uh, if you'd like to sign up, just add your contact information below. Then stand by for your official orders arriving by subspace very soon. <laughs> And I just did that. I just put in my, my email address, so now I'm going to get it. Oh, I have one more thing, and then I think we should wrap. Yes. Our good friend Maynard quite a while. Yes. sent us a, a, a photo or a, you know, a scan or whatever of the ad for the Star Trek Hot Wheels. Remember when we were talking about oh, those? Oh, yes, yes. Uh -huh. and, and he says, another media conquered, Hot Wheels. <laughs> and by the, the little green truck that has Kirk on it, there's yes. you know, a speech bubble, and it says something like, Warp Factor 3. <laughs> oh. I had to respond. I said, I don't think that thing can do warp anything. <laughs> but, you know, and, and – uh, and uh, Maynard said they didn't have permission to use Bill's likeness. But anyway, I like that. Another media conquered. That's always so important to always find. Oh, yeah. yeah. We have to keep track of these things. So, yeah, Hot we I would count Hot Wheels as another media conquered. Oh, absolutely. And so yeah. will the crews be. Oh, yeah. I, well, I, you know, it's funny. When I was reading that little blurb where Bill was in the press release where mm -hmm. Bill was saying, you know, this is the first official cruise, and I knew that it was going to be great. I was like, well, he's only doing it because it's the first one, mm -hmm. and he has to be the first one to do an official cruise. Because <laughs> he's Captain Kirk. Because he's the goddamn captain, and he's got to be there. Now, I don't – maybe you – are sick of me telling this story, but years ago I worked for a woman, and when you were put in charge of a, a new project or researching some new thing, she'd say, you're the Captain Kirk on this one. <laughs> and everybody afterwards, they were all Picards. 
<laughs> yes, I agree with that. Yes. Oh, that's great. Great work metaphor. Try to work that into your coursework, yeah. into your, your theme paper or whatever. I, I will. Well, I'm curious when, you know, he goes into the history of the franchise, will I be able to trip him up? You know, will I come up with something that he doesn't know or correct him? Wouldn't that be bad if I had to correct him on something? Is there a way in an online course that you can slam your book short, shut and walk <laughs> out if he starts talking about new track? Um, probably. If he has a class that's just devoted to new trek, I'll skip that one. I'll sleep in that day. <laughs> and I won't go to class. Good for you. Yeah. I think that'll be the Lena right Lena goes back to college. This is great. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be fun. So, listeners, join me. Join me in the class. Let's all do it together. You guys, I mean, how much time could it be? It's probably an hour a week. You sit there and you watch a video and... There probably aren't going to be papers to write or test. That's to true. Or well, anything. once you well, there were like last I heard, like over five hundred people registered for this, and it's free. So, yeah. um, you know, if it's one of those things, you can watch a video whenever you have the time. I'll sign up for it too. But if it's yeah, like I'm you sure got to do it at good. seven o'clock on Monday, it's like no, I can't do that. No, I'm sure it'll just be that. And then um, with other online courses that I've read about, sometimes there are times when you can sign up to do a chat. So the, the professor will make himself, him or herself available, and then you can all, like 20 people can come to a chat room and you can ask questions. Oh, how fun. Yeah, we should all do this together. Yeah, yes. I think so. Yes, so we put that in the, in the show notes, and let's all get signed up. I will. And have, put it have a good time. We'll, we'll sit in the back of the room and we'll giggle yes. and whisper and pass notes. That's what we'll do. That's what we have to do. Excellent. Okay, we have a plan now. Starting in September, everybody be on the alert. We need to do it. Yes. <laughs> Back to school. Let's go Back to Target. To oh, that's great. <laughs> and get oh, our well, Hot think, Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> when our new, pen, our new Star Trek pencil cases. <laughs> do you know, did I ever show you that I have Star Trek pencils? Did I show you those? Yes. From way back when, I must have gotten them when I was like 12, and I still have them. That's so amazing. They're blue, and they say Star Trek lives on them. They're great. <laughs> and it does live. You've it had does. the pencils now since, what, 1970 or something? 70-something, yeah, yeah, for sure. Wouldn't it be funny? Oh man, if we if we did meet Bill, I could hand him one of those pencils and say, "Could you give me your autograph in pencil?" No, Look, ask him vintage. to bite the pencil so you'll have his teeth marks. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Well, the first thing is you have to sit on his lap. Yes, yes. that's the first yeah. most. But important yeah, thing. Chicago Con, Cheryl, anybody else? We absolutely want to hang out with you. Yes. It will be the best time. It will be great. And you know, with us, stuff is always happening to us. I know. So even if, I mean, whatever, even if we plan a normal day, it won't be a normal day. Stuff will happen. I have told so many does. people the story about the yapping dog on the elevator at Shatner Weekend. <laughs> that made us laugh so hard because oh, it was a so terrible many- transporter accident. <laughs> oh, it was bad. So many things happened. Yep. And, and things will continue to happen. So, yeah, come with us and be part of the experience. That's right. It'll experience be, a butt curl weekend. <laughs> that's right. It'll be great. <laughs> okay, I think we need to wrap. I think we better do it because people are going to get uh, crazy by this time. Yes. So um, we'll be back with another show sometime soon. Check out all the stuff. Go ahead and put your email addresses in for the class so that we can all do it together. Yes, we definitely will. And we can, you know, share answers and cheat together that's right that's we'll right. do the, so, the komamashi baru <laughs> that's right that sounds we'll like a that dance <laughs> i 
That's great. Um, so until next time, as always, thank you so much for listening. And uh, this time I'm going to say live long and register for the class. That's your Okay, that's your I like that. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. bye.